There's only one time a year when we say the Pasuk, Baruch Shem Kavoyed Machusel Oilam Vod out loud. And that is tonight by Marav. As we know, this Pasuk does not appear anywhere in the Torah. The Medrash says that when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shemaim to accept the Torah, he heard this Pasuk uttered by angels in heaven and taught it to Klai Yisrael. And since this was sort of plagiarized from Malachim, we say it in an undertone all year. However, on Yom Kippur, since we want to express the notion that we resemble Malachim, we say it out loud. And the question is, when do we appear more similar to angels? During Marev on Kal Nidre night or at Marev Amatzi Yom Kippur? We can make the argument that is by Marev right after Yom Kippur. When we dive Marev Amatzi Yom Kippur, we had just recited Ni'ila and we had at that point fasted for 25 hours. This is the highest level we can attain spiritually all year. This is the apex. That is when we resemble Malachim. And that is when we should say Baruch Shem out loud. The previous night, when we entered Yom Kippur, we just finished the Suda Masekas, and we are still full from our meal. We haven't even begun to feel the effects of the fast yet. That is definitely not the time when we are similar to Malachim. However, Chazal say, Bamarav after Kol Nidre is when we are considered like Malachim. That is when we should say Baruch Shem out loud. It should be just the opposite. So how do we understand that? So the Maral says something very profound. When it pertains to spiritual matters, it doesn't matter where you find yourself currently. All that matters is in which direction you are heading. A story is told about the Telzer Rosh Hashivir of Eliameir Bloch. He was once standing with his Talmidim at a train station in Cleveland. And there were two trains parallel to each other. One had a sign that read New York, and the other one had a sign that said San Francisco. And he asked the students, how far apart are these two trains? And they tell him, Rebbe, they're about 10 feet apart. And he says, wrong. They are about 3,000 miles apart. Don't look at where they are now. Look at where they are destined to go. And the point is a very powerful one. It doesn't matter where you are. It matters in which direction you are heading. When Yom Kippur begins, we are heading in the direction of Aliyah, of being uplifted. Our minds are occupied with how we will utilize the day of Yom Kippur to cleanse and elevate ourselves. Therefore, even before embarking on our spiritual journey, we are already considered like angels. And that is why, even though this is our first fila of Yom Kippur, and we don't even feel the effects of the fast yet, we can already say, Baruch Shem out loud. However, at Marev of Matzi Yom Kippur, our minds are on material matters. What foods we will break our fast on? How many emails and how many messages came in over Yom Kippur? Therefore, as soon as our mind starts to wander, we are already heading in the other direction. Consequently, we lose our status as angels, and it would be inappropriate to say Baruch Shem out loud. With that thought in mind, I'd like to share with you an absolutely amazing story. One day in the Erev Yontav, a very confident nine-year-old girl walks into an upscale jewelry store in Eitz Yisrael and says, I'm here to buy a bracelet. She approaches the showcases and begins browsing. After a few minutes, she points to a bracelet worth about $3,000. The man behind the counter asks her, you want to buy this bracelet? And she says yes. And he says, wow, you have very good taste. Who do you want to buy it for? My oldest sister, she says. Oh, that is so nice. 
why do you want to buy your older sister a bracelet? And she says, I don't have a mother or a father. My older sister takes care of me and my siblings. So we want to buy her a present to show her our appreciation. She then pulls out of her pocket a bunch of coins that totaled 7 shekel and 80 agarat, which is a little less than $2. And she plunks it down on the counter. And the owner tells her, wow, that's exactly what the bracelet costs. Please write a card to your sister while I wrap up the bracelet for you. And as he wiped away his tears, he handed the little girl the bracelet, all wrapped up in a nice pretty bag. A few hours later, the older sister comes running into the store, holding that bag and tells the owner, I'm so embarrassed. My sister should not have come in here and taken this bracelet without paying. The man looks at her and says, what are you talking about? And the girl says, what do you mean? This bracelet costs thousands of dollars. My little sister doesn't even have five dollars to her name. So she obviously didn't pay for it. And the owner tells her, you couldn't be more wrong. She paid me in full. She paid seven shekel, 80 agarat, and a broken heart. Then he said, I want to tell you something. I'm a widower. I lost my wife a few years ago. People come into my store every day. They buy expensive pieces of jewelry. But they are wealthy. They can afford it. When your little sister walked in, for the first time since my wife passed away, I once again felt what real love means. I insist that you keep the bracelet. On Yom Kippur, we come to shul and we want to buy something very valuable, something very expensive. We want to buy the most precious thing in the world. We want to buy life. But who can afford to buy the gift of life? Did we really earn another year of life? Have we accumulated enough schusim to merit another year of life? Do we have enough money in our spiritual bank account to pay for life? So on Yom Kippur, we come before Hashem and we begin emptying out our pockets. And we search for schusim. We try to remember any good deeds that we did this year. We find a few mitzvahs here, a few acts of chesed there. But that only adds up to 7 shekel and 80 agarat. And based on our performance, the gift of life seems like a tall order. It seems unattainable. Our chances look bleak. So we promise Hashem that we will do better in the upcoming year. We will set aside some time to learn Torah. We will pick up the phone and call someone who is lonely. We won't speak ill of others. We will be nicer to our spouse. We ask Hashem to trust us that we will be better in the future. The uniqueness of Yom Kippur is that Hashem doesn't judge us where we are. He views the direction we are heading. What Kabbalahs we are undertaking. He hears the promises we are making. He yearns to see where our heart is. He looks for sincerity. And when he sees our broken hearts and our sincere gestures towards repentance and commitment, he says, you don't know how long it's been since I've felt such love. You don't know how much I value our relationship. And because you have touched me so deeply, I will give you the gift of life. So even though your deeds only add up to seven shekel, I will consider your sincerity and devotion as if you have paid for another year of life in full. And now, we know. Wishing all a Gamar Chasim and a good Gabenchiar.